for all things sports, the hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, and every personal takes. You're listening to Sideline Story. Hello and thank you for tuning into Sideline Story, your destination for sports news analysis and discussions. I'm your host Brandon Yates and I'm joined by my co-hosts Yang Guang and Fu Yu. And today we will be discussing the Champions League group stage competition and we've got a couple of talking points to get through. I guess Yang Guang, um, a lot of people have been talking about Manchester United lately, not just domestically but in European football and their performances this season um, and some of the problems that they've been having um, in all of the competitions that they're currently playing in. What is your? What have you made of Manchester United this season? I do think United deserved a last 16 place. Um, really? Yeah, if, if they played their normal level. They just didn't handle one or two games or even just one or two moments well. But what is games. their normal level now? That's the thing. Like I, When I watch them, they, they are so inconsistent... And they seem to struggle to find an identity. And it seems like a lot of the players don't seem to be fitting in with Ten Hag's mentality or maybe his strictness. Um, he's been falling out with players. There's, you know, there's concerns over United's uh, leadership, over their ownership, over their management. And the problems on the field range from the goalkeeper all the way to up front. So, I mean, <laughs> like... For for me as a Manchester, well, clearly as a Manchester United fan, as we've um, uncovered over various sideline story episodes, it just seems like they are a mess um, and have been for quite some time. But particularly right now, there doesn't seem to be any clear direction for them at this point. And I think potentially in Europe, that was one of the biggest scopes or um, where they were most magnified. And I think under that magnifying glass, United's weaknesses were exposed. And yes, they've had some good performances in the Premier League, also inconsistently. Um, but I think in Europe, it was, it's was it been quite a struggle, right? Yeah. That 4-3 loss to Copenhagen was just a perfect example of, um, I think, how United mishandled the details of a match. Um, Rashford got a red count after Hoyland scored twice. Mm. I mean, which team would make mistakes like this? Having a vital player sent off after establishing a 2-0 lead and after Bruno Fernandes scored a go-ahead goal after the 2-0 tie, conceding two goals in four minutes in the final phase? Come on, too, too many errors in a but game also, which... But against Copenhagen, like, that's the thing. I, you know, even if United are playing um, at 60%, 50%, I don't think... And considering the amount of money they've spent, and yes, you know, they've had injuries and, you know, there's been issues with Varane and uh, players like that. But I think even with a second or third string United lineup or even a, you know, below-grade performance, how can they be conceding, was it four goals against yeah. uh, Copenhagen? I mean, for me, that's unacceptable because I don't even think Copenhagen would finish in the top half in the Premier League. Yeah, just the process of that game was just unbelievable. It should have been ended up uh, like a 3-0 or even 4-0 victory for Man United easily. Mm. That defeat turned out decisive in United's elimination. And their 3 all draw with Galatas Ray. Mm. Ten Hag was facing his old player, Zayek, who he should be very familiar with. Yeah, from his days at Ajax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then allowed him to score from free kicks twice in the game. Mm. I really doubted if Ten Hag told Onana Zayek's tricks and his free kick habits. I mean, he didn't even need to 
do homework or research through mm. video analysis. It seemed, I mean, you know, obviously I'm not a professional footballer and have no goalkeeping experience, but just as a fan, it seemed like pretty pedestrian shots. It's something that someone like Onana, um, you know, came with a fairly large price tag and reputation, should have dealt with quite easily. And it's not like he's not someone that's experienced. He's played in the Champions League final. He was one of the best goalkeepers in the competition last season. And errors like that have proved costly. Look, I mean, he's not the only one that's also, you know, providing costly individual errors. Like you said, Marcus Rashford's red card. But do you think it's a lack of quality that's affecting Manchester United right now? Or do you think that there's other factors, for example, injuries and a couple of other things that I mentioned? So, for example, potentially Ten Hag's management. Yeah, I think Ten Hag should be responsible for United's crash. As I said, too many little details he didn't really handle that well to me united's champions league campaign is just kind of ridiculous like they didn't really play it as the most important competition of the season yeah it's I like think, they treated it like yeah. like english league cup i think they conceded the most goals in the group stages that a premier league side has ever conceded um and then in that match against bayern where they really desperately needed to win mm. just to stay in the competition they only managed one shot on target so for you, what do you think of United's performances? Do you think that, you know, what Yang Guang said, do you think it, and, and I'm also in agreement with Yang Guang to a certain extent that a lot of the fingers need to be pointed at Ten Hag or are there other issues that we haven't mentioned yet? Well, warning, you're not going to like anything I'm going to say. It's here, fine. But... I don't like anything about Manchester United right now. So this is the best time to, to slate them because I'm probably at my lowest point as a United fan for quite some time. So go ahead, because I'll probably agree with everything you have to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like they're going through a very difficult period. And in terms of their Champions League campaign this season, I don't think it has anything to do with luck that they're out this early mm. if the only thing they needed was luck they wouldn't have to uh, they wouldn't have had to rely on the result of the other group game mm, to yeah. find out their fate and it it turned out it didn't matter anyway because united didn't didn't take their fate in their own hands by beating Bayern Munich. Yeah. Um, and if they had defeated Bayern but was still out, I'd say that may be bad luck since they couldn't do anything about the other game in the group. Um, but again, but like you said, I don't necessarily think it's down to luck. I think they've shot themselves in the foot, particularly with those results against Copenhagen and Galatasaray. Mm. You would expect with the quality and experience that Manchester United has and the money that they've spent and the squad that they've got together. I mean, teams like that, they should be... Look, I know playing like a team like Galatasaray away from home is no easy task, and they have struggled there in the past, not just mm -hmm. United, but other English teams. Um, but I mean, like Copenhagen and yeah. teams like this, I mean, United should be putting them away, no problem. Yeah, it's estimated yeah. that um, the value of the whole Copenhagen team is less than the transfer fee of Anthony alone. Yeah, that's embarrassing, yeah. honestly. And I, I think a lot of that, you know, a lot of those fingers have to be pointed at Ten Hag, right? But for you, you, you think that there's some other issues at play there? Yeah, um, like uh, some of the issues that you pointed out, I think it's systemic at Man United. And uh, speaking of Copenhagen, I think we can all agree that they are the weakest team in this group. Mm. And, I'd say so, yeah. And, yeah. Potentially in the, in the whole of the last 16 and, yeah. you know, potentially even one of the, the uh, weakest teams in the whole group stage. Yeah, and I don't think there's any excuse for Manchester United's defeat at the hands of Copenhagen. Um, and in that game for uh, against Bayern Munich, where they were fighting for survival, they 
really didn't look like a team that were doing that. Um, and um, on paper, it might not look that bad for United, but let's not forget here that Bayern Munich had already secured qualification, yeah. so they weren't really putting in that much effort. Mm. And it... I mean, they still fielded a full-strength squad, but like, pretty, well, pretty much. But like you said, you know, they probably didn't have that same mentality that United, well, that United should have had going into that game. Whereas, mm. you know, which would have been, look, we're fighting for... I mean, it's out of our hands, but we're fighting for survival in this group. There was no dogged approach or, you know, uh, till-the-death attitude from United yeah, players. And yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that from them for... I think more than a decade, actually. Hmm. Yeah, and since they had nothing to lose, I think United could have tried several different tactics. But again, there are some injury issues, and mm. they also lost two players during that game. Mm. So yeah, I think that added to the woes that Manchester Manchester United is currently going yeah. through. But you and, would think in that situation that they would then go all out. You know, if they've got nothing to lose and they've got all the all of these injuries. You would think that they would let the shackles off and, like, you know, try and go out and score a goal and, you know, cause a couple of upsets. And yes, it puts you at risk of conceding goals. But I mean, in that situation, I think the desire to win should be greater than the fear of conceding goals. And it seems like United went into that game with quite a negative attitude, which is weird considering the situation that they're in. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily down to Ten Hag and his tactics. Maybe the players just don't fit into his system or don't like him as a manager or don't agree with the direction that he's going. Um, because he seems to be falling out with quite a few players. I think he's got issues with Ferran. He's He clearly had issues with Jadon Sancho. Mm. He fell out with Ronaldo, fell out with uh, De Gea, allegedly. And I think there's also, you know, the the ownership issue, I think, has also been big. Because I think a lot of the signings that United have made in recent months or the last, you know, year or two, I think, were kind of emergency signings when they couldn't get their top targets or wouldn't necessarily figure out they, for wanted, ra- they wanted Kane and had the chance yeah. but didn't yeah. and didn't and I mean I think you know Casemiro and Varane of course you know world class experienced players but I mean I'm guessing Real Madrid let them go for a reason because they were probably on the decline the, on the decline yeah. yeah and I think that United signed those players because they were available mm. and also because they were experienced but it, it, it's not a really great tactics in terms of your, if you're looking to build for the future, which is supposedly what Eric Ten Hag and you know, the management team are trying to do. But if you look at a, a lot of the key players in key areas, are they really building for the future? I think they signed those players because they were the safe options. Exactly. United are just a mess at the moment. But Yang Wang, your team are certainly not mm. a mess at the moment. Bayern Munich, 40 game unbeaten run in the Champions League group stages. I mean... I had no idea it was at that level. Um, what do you make of that remarkable run of consistent success that Bayern Munich have had in this competition? To be honest, me neither. I didn't, it's incredible. Yeah, I didn't calculate, but um, it naturally just happened. It's a great achievement. Um, it means Bayern has been unbeaten in the Champions League group stage in the past six years. Mm. It just tells how consistent this team can be, uh, even though there have been some changes on the managerial levels in the past few years. Uh, I would say Bayern is now more reliable in the Champions League group stage than Mm. in the Bundesliga. It Um, seems like despite the management changes, there's been no drop in their standards, mm, which is pretty remarkable. Bayern has never finished an unbeaten Bundesliga season in the past uh, six, say, seven years. And in the Champions League, you meet at least one powerhouse in the group stage. Guaranteed, yeah. But meantime, this record also tells how disappointing Bayern can be in the 
knock out the stages. Yes. My thoughts exactly, yeah, because it seems like getting through the group stages is a given for Bayern at this point, and mm. then for some reason at the, I mean, look, the level of competition that you face in the Champions League, like you said, whether it's in the group stage or whether you progress, is you know the best of the best. Yes, it is disappointing, but it's also not necessarily that unexpected when you consider who they're playing against. But when you look at that record of their their group stage results, mm. you would think that there would be a Champions yeah. League win in there somewhere. You know, in the last six years mm, or yeah. so. Bayern only won one Champions League title in 2020 during this unbeaten run, and it was during COVID. Right. All the knockout stage matchups were one-game duels instead of in home and away formats. Many fans claim, which I partially agree, that it's not a convincing title. Other than that,、um, Bayern's knockout stage records during these six years、uh, were four. Quarterfinal elimination and one last sixteen exits. So it Com- seems like their drop off from the group stage is pretty、yeah. quick compared to Bayern's group stage performance. This is not something Bayern fans like me are satisfied with.、Mm. Of course, you need to face stronger sides, and there are simply too many odds in a two-game tie. And Bayern has always faced injury issues in the、yes. latter half of the season, but they should not be excuses for the underperformance. When these five or six games are literally the most important games of、yeah. the whole season, but do you think that's the issue? Maybe it's the mental side of things because they seem to cruise through the group stages where I guess there's less pressure because they've got more time to play their game and you know they can have one or two mistakes. But they, when it gets to the real knockout stages, maybe that expectation that they place on themselves and that they have from fans like you. Uh, maybe it just、you. yeah 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 from <laughs> and from around the world. I mean, I, I think you know the pressure on Bayern Munich. I think is as high as any of the other top teams around the world in terms of what fans expect from them, just because of what they've done in the Champions League group stages and the you know the dominance that they've had in the Bundesliga for forever basically.、Mm-hmm. So, do you think maybe it's the mental side of things that affects them when they get to you know like the round of sixteen, quarterfinals, semifinals, etc.? For you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, uh, when Yang Guang said their success in the group stage doesn't always last into the knockouts, and you said my thoughts exactly, I was about to jump in and said <laughs> mine too.、Um, they, I, I mean, their success doesn't necessarily translate into ultimate success. Like、yeah. Yang Guang said, Bayern Munich hadn't won a Champions League title in several seasons,、um, and. I don't think it's so much about the mental side of things,、uh, rather than the physical side of things. Because、uh, during the group stage, Bayern usually have a somewhat complete squad. Yeah. The midfielders, the defenders, the positions where are most、uh, injury prone. Maybe they lack depth. That could be an issue. Maybe you know other squads that have fared well in the Champions League recently, like Manchester City, for example. I think. If any of their players get injured, there seems to be a ready-made replacement, you know, that can really fill in and do an, an incredible job. Maybe Bayern don't have that depth to deal with the injuries that they have dealt with in the past. But that being said, I mean, are they the only team that have battled with injuries? And you know, in, in the Champions League, I'm sure there's other teams that have got on to achieve success and and struggled with injuries. Sounds like a bit of an excuse from Bayern fans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's what I've observed.、Um, yeah, I, I, I mean it's a fa- it's a fair point.、Them. It's a fair point. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think you know they they can't be the only team that has those struggles. And considering the ridiculous success that they have in the group stages, do you think it's just down to injuries that they don't go further in in previous seasons? 
Yes, because by the time of the knockout games,、uh, which is usually around, it begins in February. Yeah, and、mm. Bayern always get hit by this massive wave of injuries around March, April. But that's—I mean, surely they should have sorted that out by now. If it—if it happens season after season, surely the medical staff must be like, "Hang on, guys, what are we—what are we getting wrong here? What's—what's what's the problem? Do you think it's just bad luck?" No,、uh, luck is never an issue in football, and I、yeah. don't think anyone should take luck as an excuse.、Um, they yet,、yeah, uh, I think it could come down to depth because of、mm. Bayern's obsession, or、uh, as. Bundesliga rules stipulate they have to keep a balance sheet,、yes. so they don't spend massively on、uh, transfers. Yeah,、and、so they have to do a lot more penny pinching than other European teams, I suppose. They have to be a lot more cautious with their spending. Yeah, so they don't always have a lot of defenders to choose from.、Mm. And、uh, but it also, also seems like the defenders that they've signed recently haven't really. Delivered the performances. Yeah, delivered the performances that they were expected. I mean,、mm. everyone was, you know, raving about、uh, this、uh, this Korean guy. His name now. Kim Min Jae. Yeah, and、um, uh, Delict. I mean, he's solid, but he. I don't think、mm. he's really reached the the heights that people expected yeah, yeah, him to reach. Yeah, I was going to mentioning him when、yeah. he joined. I was really excited. I thought he was really going to make an impact. Yeah, me too. He、uh, he's been out with an injury.、Mm. Yeah, and he will be back. Yeah, later yeah. this month. And I guess the the、um, the question marks around Neuer have probably also affected things in the Bayern squad. Because I think I mean obviously he's a phenomenal goalkeeper, but I think he's also a a, a leader in that team.、Mm. So maybe just his you know seemingly constant injuries have also you know caused a bit of instability at the back. From a few incidents that happened. While he was out with an injury, he doesn't seem like he wants to be a leader at this team. I think he has signed a new one-year deal. I think, yeah,、uh, recently. But I mean,、he、that、has. also doesn't really indicate much commitment、uh, from either from either party. So maybe he's also on his way out. But it seems like injury problems and maybe a bit of a couple of question marks at the back. Maybe that's what Bayern have been struggling with lately. And of course, the signing of Harry Kane has galvanized the team and really. Um, you know, seen their attacking prowess, you know, increase even further. Even though that's never really been an issue, but it seems like there are still a couple of issues that might affect Bayern、mm. going into the latter stages of the competition. But、mm. I think with the signing of Kane, may- Yang Guang, maybe those issues will be a thing of the past. Yeah, Kane is、um, absolute great、um, signing. Final piece <laughs> of the puzzle. But、yeah. if well, I think the puzzle's still a little bit shaky at the back. Though, that's the problem. <laughs> so you can score, 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 but if you're still conceding, but if Kane got injured.、Yeah. Midway through the season, who is his、um, replacement? Yeah, so that's. Do you reckon that's game over? I think Bayern. Bayern's bench players they they don't really match their starters.、Mm. Yeah, so there's definitely a depth issue at Bayern. I would say,、mm. be, you know, as well as the injury problems that they've that they faced in the past.、Mm. You know, sticking with the group stages, of course, the group of death contained the likes of PSG, Dortmund, Newcastle, and AC Milan. Yangguang, were you surprised with the two teams that emerged? I believe it was Dortmund and PSG. Yeah. Yeah. I thought PSG would be able to top the group,、uh, which they didn't.、Mm. I also thought AC Milan would、um, edge Dortmund to progress, which、okay. they didn't. I was expecting more from Newcastle actually, and I think Dortmund kind of flew under the radar. No one was really、mm. talking about、yeah. Dortmund in the preseason, and they they seem to surprise a lot of people. Yeah,、right? Dortmund is a great surprise for me because、yeah. their squad underwent some big changes. They lost Bellingham,、uh, Guerrero, Dahoud. 
Torgen Hazard, who were the key players on the team, yeah. and the way they lost the Bundesliga title last season, oh, heartbreaking. that was a total crush. I didn't know how the players recovered from that dramatic failure. I guess the way to deal with it is just to get rid of those players. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be like what they did. Okay, thanks for the heartbreak, guys. Cheers. Let's get in some new players that aren't so heartbroken. Yeah, I think these are the main reasons why Dortmund did under par this season in Bundesliga. Right. But clearly, they put a lot of priorities on the Champions League this season, and it paid off or maybe it's also another a mental thing maybe they thought like well we don't really you know we're kind of the underdogs in this group so let's just go out there and play our game and see what we can do i think a lot of teams that are weaker or well supposedly weaker and not much is expected of them sometimes in competitions like the champions league they really thrive because other teams firstly underestimate them and secondly, they go in there without any pressure, without any fear, and they can actually play their game. So maybe Dortmund felt less pressure than PSG. I think Newcastle also felt a lot of pressure with their new ownership and that, you know, whenever there's teams that spend a lot of money and they want to, you know, increase their global image, the Champions League becomes a crucial competition for mm. them. And of course, AC Milan historically have been brilliant in the Champions Not so much lately, but they have a great history in the Champions League. So maybe Dortmund just had the ability to play their game this season. I think PSG and AC Milan just didn't deliver. That too, uh, yeah. I mean, those two clubs are not Champions League rookies like Newcastle. They, yeah. they knew what to expect and how to deal with European fixtures while playing domestic games. But it looks like they performed pretty similarly with Newcastle. Um, mm. I didn't see the advantage on that aspect. So yeah, it's a quite surprising result for me. Yeah. For you, are you surprised? Yes, uh, since it's the group of death, of course, any two teams could have made it through. Yeah. And I think the the group lived up to its name as it came down to the last game on the last day to determine mm. the uh, which two teams were going and forward. that's what we love about this competition. It's yeah. fantastic, yeah. <laughs> what we love about this game. And I'm surprised that Dortmund became the group winners. They are a surprise package. Um, when they were at the bottom of the group with no goals after two games and aren't doing as well as they had in the Bundesliga. I'm sure nobody expected them to finish yeah. uh, as at the top of the group. Uh, or just and... even to emerge from the group considering the level of competition they were facing. Mm -hmm. Yang Huang, we've seen some pretty impressive performances from numerous teams across Europe in the Champions League this season. I'm going to ask you quickly before we wrap things up. Who would you say are your top three title contenders at this point? It's still early, but um, there have been some standouts, right? Yeah. To me, it's um, Bayern Munich, mm -hmm, Manchester City, <laughs> and Arsenal. Okay. Um, I wasn't expecting Arsenal on that list, but yeah. yeah. Um, Bayern, because I, I always believe in this team, despite this or that problem. Mm. City is the defending champion, and mm -hmm. I think Pep Guardiola is now more relaxed in Champions League games after their title run last right. season. After the first time, the mindset is just different for him. Yeah, and they've strengthened beautifully, I think, as yeah. well. Yeah. And Arsenal, I don't know. Um, I just think they can make a difference this season, either in the Champions League or the Premier League. Yeah, and they've also strengthened quite well. Mm. This team is still on the rise, and everyone is motivated. Yeah. They have the energy to go deep. Uh, yeah. th th that's an interesting one. I think I might have switched Real Madrid with Arsenal there, but I mm. think Arsenal could surprise a few teams this, this season. So I think they're definitely going to be the ones to watch um, going forward because I think there's a lot... Well, there's not that much expected of them, actually, but I think they do have the potential to surprise. So I think that's a good team to keep your eyes on. 
for you from your side top three contenders yeah i agree with you this is an easy one for me manchester city because yeah. they are the defending champions by munich because they are my team and <laughs> real madrid because they just they do so well they were born to win the champions league yeah they see it as their competition they're like this is ours and maybe one or two teams can upset us but this mm. is this is our bread and yeah, butter e- mm. no matter how good or bad their squad yeah. is they seem to perform well in the champions league. yeah and no matter how bad things were going for them yeah they always seem to turn things around and, and they just have jude bellingham i mean this yeah, guy yeah. I, I would say he's the best player in the world right now he just is an absolute freak yeah, yeah talk, tell me about jude bellingham he's just he's amazing right <laughs> yeah i was just going to say i can't wait to find out his first season as real madrid how he's gonna perform in the champions league yeah if he can inherit uh, real madrid's champions league gene and be the magician that makes all the difference yeah I think he can be. I mean, he's even got Huselu scoring goals. So that's pretty incredible to me. I think number nine is still going to be an issue for Madrid in the coming seasons. I think that's still an area they need to um, resolve. Although replacing Karim Benzema is no easy task. But yeah, I think at this point in the UEFA Champions League, there are still a number of teams that can go on to win the title. Manchester City, the defending champions, look really strong. But the likes of Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Real Madrid and a couple of others could contend with them. So we will keep our eyes on this competition. But that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we will be back next week with our latest topic and we'll see you then. Mm-hmm.